0: Coming up on today's episode of Greats in 68 podcast, we take a look back at Birmingham's 4 0 victory in the WSL Cup over Oxford United. We discuss the development of women's football in England with the help of some special guests. All of this and more on today's show. Welcome to the Great Since 68 podcast, the only dedicated Birmingham City ladies podcast and it is brought to you by damsonpartdames.co.uk. I'm joined by Chris Pugh. How have you been since last week, Chris?
1: Yeah, good thanks, Craig. Not too bad. Yourself?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Working away, as always. Yeah, that's it, yeah. We start this week's show by looking back at Birmingham's midweek fixture with Oxford United. Birmingham City beat Oxford United 4-0 last Wednesday evening in the opening fixture of this year's WSL Cup competition. We are joined by Chris Freeville, who was amongst the Blue supporters at the game. Thank you for joining us, Chris.
2: Hi, Craig. Really pleased to be here on this podcast.
0: I'm glad you can make it. So, Chris, first of all, could you tell us what you thought of the team Mark Skinner chose? It was a pretty strong lineup, given it was a cup game. Was that a surprise to you?
2: It wasn't too much of a surprise, Craig. I expect him to make a couple of changes, given the fact that Oxford are in the league below, and he's got a lot of young players in our squad and wanted to give some of them more of a chance. So... He had in the starting lineup Connie Schofield and Maddie Cusack. So it was good to see those two, but the rest of the uh, the team was well known faces or strong players. So it was a fairly strong lineup.
0: Yep, exactly. You had the likes of Anne Katerinberger in goal. Obviously, you could have played Hannah Hampton or Fran Stenson in that position, but he chose to play Anne. Showed his intent for the cup. He wants to win all the games. And Andreen Hegeberg, of course, made an appearance after resting against Reading. So Blues took a lead late in the first half. Was it quite tight up until the goal, Chris? Or was uh, Frederici's goal with the run of play?
2: I would say that we started pretty well. Uh, we got the ball up the field quite a lot. And it was in that final third. Rachel Williams was doing well. Lucy Quinn going down the wing. So we were getting that ball in that final third. But weren't always in a position to get the shots away. Or if we did get a shot, I remember Frida having a couple of shots that were saved by their keeper. So we were doing fairly well. Emma Follis was also getting involved quite a lot. um, But we just kind of weren't able to get that breakthrough.
0: Aisi got the first goal. What can you tell us about the goal, Chris?
2: Frida Aisi is wonderful when she's in front of goal. You never know what she's going to do. And on this occasion, the ball came to her. She had a a back-to-goal. And she uh, did a, a cheeky back flick into the goal from about four yards out. And she didn't even look round. She just heard the noise of the crowd cheering. And of course, she knew she'd scored. Wonderful to see her get on the score sheet.
0: Exactly. And obviously, after she signed a contract extension earlier in the summer, given that she doesn't score that many goals or hasn't done in the past, it's good to see her confidence sky high.
2: Yeah, I was really pleased for her. Because I think, you know, from that point onwards, in the second half, Frida played, you know so much more confidence, and she had another couple of shots on goal, one of which just whisked past the post, so she could have easily have added to her tally.
0: Hayley Ladd came on at the break. Lucy Quinn scored her first goal for the club soon after. What was the goal like, Chris, from your perspective?
2: It was a good move by Blues, and the ball came to Lucy Quinn, who was on the edge of the penalty box, and she hit it low into one of the corners, You know, kept it away from the keeper, and it was a good goal for her definitely something that Blues deserved because we had a lot of possession up until that point.
0: 15 minutes later, Oxford had it all to do when Hannah Short was sent off. Uh, what can you tell us about the incident, Chris?
2: Rachel Williams was running through on goal. I can't remember, somebody passed the ball through to her, but as she was going through on goal, uh, she got tripped by one of their defenders and she stumbled for about three or four yards trying to stay on her feet as best she could. In the end, gravity just took her down and she, she fell down and... Of course, at that point, um, referee had no option but to uh, send the Oxford player off.
0: So, so you're saying, Chris, it was a bit like the uh, Ellen White incident in the Arsenal game.
2: Yeah, definitely. Rachel Williams was through on goal. She only had the keeper to beat, and we could easily have, you know, had another goal. But the you know, these things happen in football, and that, that's I suppose why they they give the the red cards because it's such a you know disadvantage to the team who who were about to score.
0: No doubt going down to 10, especially against a uh, stronger opposition, was a hammer blow for the travelling Oxford team. Uh, Blues added the gloss with two late goals from Charlie Wellings and Hayley Ladd. Can you describe the last two goals for Chris?
2: Andreen Hegeberg took a corner. We had quite a few corners and she seemed to be taking most of them. And this one she hit quite deep into the box and it got headed back into the kind of the six yard box. And um, when it was in there, Hayley Ladd scored with a header from very close range.
0: And uh, the final
2: goal with Charlie Wellings, Chris? Again, another good move by Blues. Sort of cut through the Oxford defence and found its way to Charlie Wellings, who was clear through on goal, but she hit it with such power and accuracy straight into the corner, away from the keeper. Really good goal and so pleased to see Charlie get on the score sheet yet again. What I've noticed is that Charlie's kind of formed quite a strong relationship with Ellen White. Ellen White seems to be mentoring her because uh, you watch those two when either of them score a goal, they're kind of uh, celebrating together. And I think Charlie's really kind of probably learning quite a lot from from Ellen. And um, it's great to see that, you know, she's passing on her experience. Um, and uh, I think Charlie's going to be a really, really key player for the Blues, uh, such a young age at the moment. But with the likes of Ellen White teaching her everything she knows, you know, it's it's a win-win situation for us.
0: Yeah, exactly. And obviously with um, Ellen White scoring so many goals um, in pre-season and following that form into the new season, having a as a positive role model around for the likes of Charlie Wellings is only going to get more and more goals this season for Blues, given we've been struggling for goals in recent seasons.
2: You know, we've actually scored in every single game that we've played now. We, compared to uh, the Spring Series, we're looking far, far stronger aside and really excited that we can do well in the WSL And in the Continental Cup, I think, you know, two teams from five will go through to the quarterfinals. I'm pretty sure that Blues are going to be one of the the two that go through and um, excited to see us go on a good cup run.
0: Exactly. And obviously, after last year's um, cup disappointment in the final at the Academy Stadium, it'll be a good moment if Blues get back to the final again. Yeah, definitely. It's been great to hear from you, Chris, and I wish to thank you very much for coming on to the podcast this week and giving us the lowdown on the action this past week.
2: You're very welcome, Craig.
0: Birmingham will play Everton next in the WSL Cup on Thursday, November the second. The fixture is quickly followed by another cup game against Doncaster Bells on the 5th of November. And finally the Blues take on Man City in December in their final group game of the Continental Cup first round. Chris, after a strong opening win in this year's WSL Cup campaign, we should expect Blues to progress, right?
1: I think so. You know, we spoke on last week's show about the fact Oxford would have been, you know, flying high with confidence after their good start to the season. But I think the way we dispatched them, um, we've already shown that we can beat Everton. You know, the first half against Everton, we were completely dominant. I thought, I and mean, I think again, Doncaster are a strong side in WSL too. But there's no reason why we shouldn't fear them. I think, and even the City game, you know, there's no reason why we. We've shown that we can go there on previous occasions and get something. So I think we'll definitely be looking at progressing from the group now. We we showed with a a good, strong win, with a couple of players rested against Oxford, that this is a competition looks like we're going to take seriously.
0: Everton, of course, won their opening fixture against Doncaster Bells, but lost to Birmingham 2-1 in the week previous in the league. What will Marks going to be looking for from the side, uh, Chris, to improve on their narrow win earlier this month?
1: I think obviously after the league game, he was a little bit disappointed with the second half, the way that we, you know, we didn't quite maintain our levels f- from the first half, uh, which were good. But obviously the Reading game came after that, and he was happy with that, you know. And I think it was a little bit roles reversed against Oxford by all accounts. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go, but by all accounts, um, he was a lot happier with the second half than he was the first half. So. I think that's. It'll be looking for that consistency. I think to to maintain at their levels throughout the whole 90 minutes. And if we can do that, then then certainly we'll we'll be looking at going far.
0: Absolutely. And uh, Man City are yet to uh, start their WSL Cup campaign due to their uh, Champions League match yeah. the other week. Do you expect us to qualify before we play City in December? And could uh, playing on four fronts for City be a negative effect for the club?
1: Listen, they're the, holders, uh, the current holders of the trophy, obviously beating us in the final in their own backyard. There's an element that they'll want to make sure that they're strong on, on all fronts, and they've certainly got the squad to be able to do that. But I do wonder whether they will be desperately trying to make the Champions League campaign as strong as possible. And and there is the potential, obviously, that, that they take their eye off the ball. You, you have to say, of all four competitions if there was chance that they're gonna take their eye off the ball on one of them, it probably would be the Continental Cup.
0: Yep, I could see that given how much they obviously want to do well in the Champions League after last year and what, what happened and stuff. Get, well, uh, getting well winning the league, yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, getting to the semi final of the Champions League last year and, and playing Leon, I think I think it's give them you know, it, it's give them a sense of where they want to be as a club and then they wanna be doing that regularly. Their main focus, I think, will be the league and, and the Champions League. Um, and if, like I said, if there is that, if they drop off for 5% in the cup competition, then teams like Blues will be will be ready to pounce.
0: It is now time for our weekly segment, Lone Watch, as we look at how Chloe Peplo, Coral Jade Haynes and Sophie Bagley have done over the previous seven days. Chloe was rested for the Everton game in which Doncaster Bells lost 3-0. Coral Jade Haynes came on late in a 2-0 Cup victory over Bristol City. And Sophie Bagley, who of course plays for Bristol City at the moment on loan, was absent from the squad for the visit of Spurs, with Amy Watson deputising in goal. Of our players on loan being played recently in the league games, it's obviously a time for them to have a quick rest, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think Sophie's the number one keeper there now. So so when the Cup game comes around, they've decided that it's best to give give Watson a go, the, you know the second-choice keeper. Likewise with Coral, I think, you know, for Spurs to beat Bristol City is a a really good effort. You know, I know Bristol rested a couple of players, but that was a good result for for Spurs, especially considering the fact that, like you say, Coral didn't start. And Chloe, obviously, at Doncaster, just a little injury, which hopefully won't keep her out for too long.
0: Moving on then, Chris, to our main topic of this week, which is the development of women's football in England. Uh, we kick it off this week with Maddie Cusack, one of Birmingham's summer signings, on how her development has changed since signing from Aston Villa. How's it been like being at Birmingham so far?
3: Yeah, it's been brilliant I'm loving it, loving training every day and yeah, it's a really professional atmosphere, so yeah, really enjoying it. usually train in the morning, get a good training session in, and then sometimes we'll have gym or recovery, depending on what the week's like. But definitely it's a big step up from Villa, where we're training um, still a few times a week but in the evening, so it's a... A lot different training in the day. It's more professional, more like a um, full-time job.
0: What did you think? She's obviously excited.
1: Yeah, um, she's not the first to make that move across the city from Villa. Are
0: you for Mannion being like the obvious one.
1: Yeah, Mannion's done it as well. Um, I think Hannah George w- went the other way as well um, from Blues to Villa. So there's been there's been a number who have done it, and hopefully we, we see her progress more the, the same way that the likes of Mannion have done. I think it is a big step up from WSL 2 to WSL 1. The levels of fitness have to be better. You know, you're playing the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal and Man City and, you know, your fitness has to be there and your consistency levels have to be there. But she's shown at Villa that she's a very good player and, like you say, she she sounds like she's enjoying her time at Blues and enjoying progressing forward and under Mark. Hopefully we'll get to see more of her.
0: Indeed and obviously with the switch to doing training in the mornings as opposed to doing the evenings it's obviously a different mindset and working a long day at work whatever you do you're going to be tired by the time the evening comes around you want to give your all in the evenings but sometimes you just haven't got that right mindset or the right like just energy left by the end of the day isn't it?
1: Yeah it is it's that different mindset like you say I think that's a a good word to describe it you know yeah you do have to treat it differently um but the fact that she's come into a squad where all the girls are very similar, really, they're all in a similar boat, they all want to progress, they're all relatively young still, and I think that will help her, you know, she she seems like she's bedded into the squad very nicely. So hopefully she'll continue to develop along with the rest of them.
0: Maddie, of course, isn't the only player Mark Skinner brought in since the turn of the year. Paige Williams has certainly made her mark since signing in February. Her set-piece delivery, as well as her movement off the ball, are a couple of things that she does well. Williams is not a stranger to top-flight football, having won Serie A with Brescia in 2016. I began my chat with her by discussing her time abroad. First of all, what was life like in um, Italy for you when you were over there?
3: Oh, it was amazing. It's feeling like Italy today, actually, with this sun. You know, I had my reasons for going, and I think they paid off, and I've come back a better player, person. and more experienced. You know, I experienced Champions League. And yeah I'm really enjoying being back though. I felt like that time I needed to go and I've done it and now I'm back home and actually Birmingham feels like home. This is probably the happiest I've been playing football so yeah I'm really happy.
0: How do you think English football's changed since you were last here after your spell in Italy?
3: Massively, you know, there's a lot more funds and going into the game. It feels more professional and that it's about time really, you know, we're getting more people in coming to watch us and the way we can drive that is just by keep performing so the fans want to come back and keep investing more and if I'd say if you haven't been and watched the women's game, come and watch because everyone I've spoke to, once they've been once, they get addicted to it and then they're there every week then. So I'd just say come and, come and have a watch and you might enjoy it, who knows.
0: You're big into the um, the youth coaching here and you're helping out them. Uh, how did that come about?
3: It's always been something I've been interested in and I just had a bit of extra time, you know, where we train of a morning and the RTC train of an afternoon. So I just popped down for a session and fell in love with it, really. And I really, really enjoyed bringing the kids on and passing down what Mark and Leanne and the rest of the coaching staff are given to me. So then... We can start them earlier with the information we know now and then makes their job a little bit easier when they get older.
0: Obviously, it helps that Birmingham have a tradition of bringing through youth into the first team.
3: Yeah, we don't need to go abroad and buy players. We're bringing them through and that's what it's all about, really. And we need to bring the English players through more and more and hopefully more teams will follow suit.
0: Thanks to Paige Williams there. What did you think of what Paige had to say, Chris? Anything in particular to stand out for you? it was a Paige before
1: about time in Italy um, and she said, you know, it definitely improved her as a as a person and a player and she learned a lot of things and I think we've mentioned before Ellie Brazil making that same move over to Italy now hopefully the the same will happen for her and and she'll develop in both aspects but definitely Paige since she's come into the blue side, has, has shown that She's certainly no stranger to to, to getting stuck in. And I think moving abroad at such a young age, you have to have that belief that you're good enough to make that move and the confidence to to go on and and really show yourself and prove yourself because it's quite unforgiving. You know, a a young English girl moving over to Italy, you are going to have to believe in yourself because at times it could be quite a lonely situation, I'd imagine. So fair play to Paige. And like you say, she's come back and and she's made that left-back spot her own
0: Especially and given that she's only uh, 22, as you say, still quite young, it must be comforting to see as a fan of Blues to know that our players are really identifying with the younger age groups and really helping them out with the development, as she mentioned.
1: She mentioned in the interview, you know, the fact that she is now, she's moved on to the coaching of the RTC now. She's shown that she's, she's more than happy to do that. She, she wants to improve younger players in the way that i think she said she wanted the opportunity she'd have loved the opportunity to be coached by a first teamer at at that young age and the experiences that she's had at such a you know like you say she's only 22 but she's experienced a lot in the game and the fact that she can pass that on to younger players is is a real bonus our younger girls
0: what would you say is the biggest positive to come out of our club's approach to development over the years chris
1: As a fan, I just think it's that you can relate to the players. You know, they understand that you're there to support them. They are so appreciative of the Blues fans' support. And I'm not saying the approach that Man City and Chelsea take where they they buy inexperienced foreign internationals, I'm not saying that those players don't really appreciate that as well. But from my experience as a fan, the younger English-based squad, it's really tight-knit, especially at Blues. You know, they, they all get on so well. And I think it was before Mark as well, in fairness, it always seemed that the Blues, not just the first 11, the whole squad, even the players that weren't playing in the first team, were really connected to the fans, to themselves, to the management, everything. And I think that young English blend, bringing through your younger players from the RTC as well, for me, that's the biggest positive that Birmingham City ladies do at the moment.
0: Absolutely, obviously. It's the um, it's the way we get to see the players like... Uh grow up through the years we get we get to see them blossom into the players that they become and then obviously if they're good enough some of them are going to get poached away by the best teams that's the inevitability of the way we run things at Birmingham isn't it
1: of course yeah you know you look at Jess Carter now and we, we've watched Jess Carter for the last two or three years become a really really outstanding footballer you know wherever she plays she's grown as an athlete she's grown as a person and she's certainly grown as a footballer if she keeps on improving There is that possibility that your Chelsea's or your Man City's come calling for her. She's in the England squad now, the full squad. She's been called up to the last two squads, you know, and she will keep getting better and better. And and if that time comes where she does move away, then, you know, but it's happened to, you know, with Carney, it happened. um, Mel Lawley. Mel Lawley has gone to Man City as well. Yeah, you're spot on. So, you know, these players will come and go. I'd love to see Mel progress in the England squad as well. And I, and I think it is because you've, we've seen Jess, you know, gr- over the last couple of years and, and she knows of the fans, you know, she knows the fans that come week in, week out. And we all chat to, you know, we can chat to Jess the way we could with Mel as well. You don't really hold any grudges against them when, it, when it's a situation like that and you just want the best for them, even, even if they do move away.
0: Absolutely. And obviously, uh, Mel Lawley scored in the Champions League last week, which was a, a nice moment did, for yeah. me, given it, she's yeah. a local girl to me.
1: Uh, that's right yeah yeah that over your side yeah
0: which is why it was sad when she left but um yeah <laughs> um but yeah obviously with the likes of like uh, as caris harrop mentioned last week she's been there for like since she was like 17 now and she's been growing for the club so she's like the perfect example of that that mentality of bringing bringing people through birmingham and just getting the chance to be captain and she couldn't be more happier as, as she said last week
1: what what a better role model for for the younger players you know <laughs> you you start training with the first team and there's there's keris Harrop as your as your captain you know who who's who's done exactly the what what you're trying to do do you know what i mean so i think i think it's certainly and and your manager is somebody who has experience of bringing younger players through so really from the younger girl's perspective if, if you're a young girl coming through blues it's it's the absolute dream situation your manager is that has experience of blooding young players and your captain is has been there and done that you can only be positive if you're a young player coming through.
0: Absolutely. The FA recently announced plans to change the structure of the women's football in England, Chris as you know, but within I those do, yeah. <laughs> But but within those plans it suggests that all clubs will have their own academy to promote English talent. Birmingham have a notable strong setup already. Do you see the FA's approach being a positive for the national team long term?
1: I do see the FA's approach being positive for the national team. As long as the big teams use it, you know, it's all well and good. Blues having this brilliant academy where we, we bring through all these players. Unfortunately, Man City are showing that they're happy for other teams to do the hard work with young players. And then they'll just buy them. Do you know what I mean? So, listen, if Man City are prepared to blood young players... And give young players a chance i know they have with with certain players but i think that's important it's not just everybody else doing the the hard work and the big teams picking them off once they've played a season or two i only see england getting stronger you know with, with the young players that are coming through
0: as of april last year the fa had 34 teams involved in the regional talent club program to support the development of elite female players Arsenal, Birmingham, Liverpool, Man City and Sunderland are the only WSL 1 clubs that are regarded as Tier 1 RTC football clubs. In essence, they are regarded as having the best programmes to bring you through. Non-WSL 1 clubs on this list include Blackburn Rovers, Brighton & Hove Albion, Leeds, Leicester, Oxford United, Southampton, York and surprisingly, given the lack of a senior women's team, Manchester United also run an RTC of Tier 1 level. The second tier RTC licensed clubs include the likes of Bristol City, Chelsea and Everton. Then the final tier, the third tier includes Doncaster Bells and Reading. Yeovil are the only club in the WSL 1 that aren't on the list and with financial issues and no youth funding from the FA it will certainly be a tough transition for them going forward. Speaking of which, as of yesterday Yeovil Town have raised just under £2,000 towards their goal to ensure professional status next season. The target required is £350,000 with just over two weeks remaining. For more information on their crowdfunding efforts go to the Yeovil Town Ladies website. But going back to the topic in hand Chris, youth development is likely to play a bigger role in the WSL in the near future. With Chelsea's depth in squad, could we see a similar model to the men's team where they bring in high potential youngsters and either send them out on loan for a price or sell them on for a profit?
1: I think, with the nature of the top three, if you go Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, I think results are a massive thing for them right now. Um, You know, because those clubs have put a lot of money into the women's team and they'll want to see results. So it's very difficult to see young players coming through unless you are an exceptional young player it's difficult to see a young young player being given a chance at those clubs um so i think it's inevitable really if i think chelsea were on the the tier two list yeah that's right say they put a bit more money into it and go to tier one and bring a couple more through are are they going to risk playing those or are they going to give you know your bristols your blues is your the chance to to give those players i think Alessia Russo is one, for example, I think she was on Chelsea's books, a really, really exciting player uh, who's gone over to America at the moment playing college football and scoring bag loads for fun. I think there are already examples of of that happening. It'd be lovely to see the likes of Alessia Russo play for Chelsea. But while they are so dependent on results right now, like we said earlier on Four competitions, only one team can win the league. So the pressure on Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal to win the league is massive. And I think right now as well, the Champions League is is a big, big thing, especially Chelsea and Man City as the two that are in it at the moment. I I think it's inevitable, really, that you are going to see a lot of their younger players having to come to lower half WSL1 clubs or even WSL2 clubs.
0: Is there a problem there, Chris, then with obviously how big the Chelsea squad is that in the future, if they have the youth players coming through, some of them might not want to drop down a level given that they're training at a professional club and they might possibly have to go train at a semi-professional club in the WSL two going forward.
1: Absolutely, that is an issue, you know. You are gonna have that situation where, where you've got a lot of young players, if they are if they are gonna come through at Chelsea, you know, they, they will have plenty of experience of professional training, good pitches, everything everything you want the young players to have within the women's game. But if like you say, if if they are gonna keep and making, you know, this massive squad even bigger, then where are these players gonna have they are gonna to have to drop out, unfortunately. The question at the start was, do you think it's good for the national team? I think it is good for the national team. whether it's good for 70 percent of young girls coming through? Probably not, unfortunately. you know I, th- I think it's, I think it's designed to to get the best out of the, the 20, 30 percent of players that are going to be good enough to play WSL1.
0: It's it's certainly a, a really interesting debate to be having, uh, as we've been doing for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Our final our final interviewee this week is our manager Mark Skinner. He was head of youth development at the Regional Talent Club before taking over as the top job at Birmingham City. Here he is. Considering your previous role with the RTC, um, how how do you think your roles changed since becoming manager? What things have changed?
4: It's clearly about results, which I always knew, but that will never be enough for me. It's got to be about performance and. Look, again, we're in three, four months into actually a season prep. So for me, there's a lot, lot more to do. But this is the real season and I want to win every game. We go in to try and win every game. But performance is key for us. We have to perform because I want to see fans come back. I want them to get excited about their Birmingham team. I want them to be happy when they come into our environment and see it, rather than just get a team that kicks it, lumps it long and hopes for the best. The more we get better at performance, the more we get a chance of of being on the positive end of the result. You can never guarantee, but that's what we're here to do.
0: Obviously, with your role with the RTC, you've seen the you've come through at Birmingham and it's, they've got a long tradition of that. Mm-hmm. Is that something you'd like to keep going? 100%, yeah.
4: but they've got to be ready. And what I mean by ready is, sometimes it's not even physically, it's technically. It's actually, they've got to know that to be a senior, you've got to have the mentality to be a senior. You come in and you work as hard as everybody else and you don't feel inferior. And the message to my RTC girls is, if you want to be in this team, then you go and earn the right to be in this team as any first teamer has to do. I don't care how old they are, look at Charlie Wellings and Frieda, they've been brilliant and Charlie came through the RTC. She knocks on my door every day wanting to play, she's got a different mentality. My girls can have that, they'll be in the first team environment. There's another couple that I'm looking to bring up over the half term so hopefully we'll see some more names in the future.
0: The future certainly looks bright for us Chris, what did you think of Mark Skinner's call to action there? Will it ring true with the youth teams do you reckon?
1: I hope so. Like I said earlier, I think I think if you're a 15, 16, 17-year-old blues ladies player at the moment, I think like he said it's it's over to them now the girls know if they are good enough they are going to get the chance under their manager going to get the help and support they need with the current set of players so it is really over to them but they're the ones who have to step up now and show that they're good enough that they're better than everybody else who's currently in the squad and if they can do that then certainly Mark will give them the chance and certainly the likes of Kerris and Emily Westwood and and everybody else in that squad is going to help them along. You know, Fran Stenson and and Hannah Hampson are going to get chances because obviously Sophie's gone out on loan, so we've only got one first-team keeper, if you like. They've been given a chance, and Fran's taken hers. If the other girls are given a chance, then they're going to have to take it. But certainly, Mark's going to give, the way he comes across, the way he talks, he sounds like he's more than prepared to give girls a chance if they're good enough. So, you know, I'm, I'm certain that your Fran Stenson's and Connie Schofields of the world. They're not going to be the last to come through the Blues Academy.
0: Absolutely, and you had uh, obviously Connie Schofield starting in the cup game against Oxford, and then Maddie Cox starting her first game, and then yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sh- Sh- Shayna Hales coming on for the last ten minutes for the yes, as yeah. well. Yeah,
1: she looked, but by all accounts, she looked lively. She she's someone that has consistently scored in the development side. You know, like Mark said, you you consistently show that you're good enough. And they're prepared to give you a chance, you know. And and Hales is another one that I'm sure we're not going to see the last of her.
0: Absolutely, and I, f- I think don't quote me on this 100, percent but I think she won the award for RTC Player of the Year last year or Development yes, Player. Th- yes, I
1: think I think you're right. She certainly won won an award at the end of at the end of uh, season dinner. So she's someone that's been on the radar. Playing really well for the development side and she's got her chance, to probably the Everton and Doncaster Cup games. And if she keeps scoring in development, keeps playing well for the first team, then she'll be in and around that squad, definitely.
0: Absolutely, Chris. If anyone would like to continue the conversation, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Craig Hadley. Craig uh and then H-A-D-L-E-E. And Chris, how can they find you?
1: Yeah, are uh, also on Twitter at AWCAIB.
0: Thank you to Chris tonight for joining me once again, and to Chris Freeville, who was our roaming reporter this week. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, and we'll be back next week. Unfortunately, Chris will not be with us. I'll
1: see you in two weeks.
0: He will, and I'll see everyone else here next week. So keep right on, and we'll see you soon.